Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Sales Outcast podcast. I've got the most energetic Marcus Chen with me here. Marcus, thank you so much for coming on. Hey, Sue, thank you so much for having me on. I can't, I, I'm excited to be here to talk a lot about the topics we have today on the, on the, uh, on the docket. Awesome. You, you know, uh, the sales outcast is a topic really, really close to my heart. And um, thank you for accepting to being here. And, you know, when I say the sales outcast, what does it make you feel? Well, it's, uh, it sounds kind of strange, but when you say the, sa- the sales outcast, I feel at home because, <laughs> you know, I think just being in sales, uh, you know, for the last over, de- over the last decade, I've always felt like I've stood out, right? Um, just being, you know, an Asian, an Asian American in sales, uh, in leadership, I have always felt like I, I stood out, right? Uh, and also in terms of, you know, the companies I've worked for, majority of the companies I work for, they're major big corporations, and most of them have a very similar profile. They mm-hmm. typically have, especially as you rise up the ranks. Typically, the you know the middle aged white male has pretty much dominated you know, the C-level suite, that kind of trickles yeah. downwards. So for me, working with these big companies, I've always felt like, you know, I've looked different because I do and I act different and uh, I've always felt like I've stood out and I have, you know, so it's uh, to me, uh, it's something I can really connect with because I have never felt like I could fit in, right? Even from mm-hmm. the sales perspective, but even to growing up, in the town I grew up in. So uh, I've always looked at that outcast from the get-go. The sales outcast is really connected with me because, well, I'm in sales or I have been in sales for a long time. And also I've always, I've know, I've always felt like I've started out a little bit as well. So I love the concept and it connects me very deeply. Right. Uh, you know, exactly my point. Like, you know, the first job that I ever took uh, was with a multinational company. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, we had all white guys come in to train us how to sell and yeah it just felt like oh my gosh are we like really supposed to be doing this job because you know the guys who are training us are like white guys we don't look white we don't sound white right and uh you know growth even today like when i look at most SaaS companies growth seems so difficult because hey you don't you don't fit the their bill right of who they want to hire right so for you growing up into a sales leadership role, you know, like again, how much ever we try, I mean, you know, you can't get rid of our accent, right? You can't sound American. Yeah. Whatever yeah. you do, like, right. eventually you'll, you'll sound who you are, so. Well, from how you sound to a lot of even just like cultural things you grew mm-hmm. up with, right? Just, you know, how, how you act and, and just your certain behaviors. And I'll give you a real good example, right? So early on when I first got into sales, and I was, I mean, I was, you know, I was, as a kid, I was very quiet, very reserved, very much a typical Asian kid, very normal, you know, uh, was taught to school and study hard and do all those things. And mm-hmm. as I grew older, you know, I became a little more extroverted. I'm actually an ambivert, I'm right in the middle, but I leaned more towards being more introverted. And as I got into, you know, uh, a corporate career, I remember being 21 years old and, you know, being this, in, this, in, a, in a new role where I'm like, I'm surrounded by, you know, basically I'm, I'm the only person of color, right. For the most mm-hmm. part. And, you know, like, and for the most part, I'll just show up and do my job and do what I was supposed to be doing. And right. I, I had gotten feedback just early on when they say, Hey, Marcus, like, 
you know, why don't you ever, you know, bring some new ideas to the table, right? And, I'll, you know, 21 years old, you're fresh out of college, you, you second guess yourself already. And mm-hmm. culturally, you know, it's your, I, I was, I've been ingrained as a kid to always respect people above me in other right. roles. You know, basically, okay. you know, show up and shut up, if you will, right? Yep, <laughs> like, yep. do what you're supposed to do. So when I, when I didn't contribute to some of these conversations or if I didn't, you know, you know, ask more questions or even challenge certain things or bring new ideas to the table, they looked at me kind of funny, like, hey, why don't you ever have some new ideas to bring to the table? You know, and sometimes I got along with everyone, but they really didn't like, I didn't really speak up. And that was some feedback they gave me early on. Yep. And I'm like, well that's just kind of how I grew up. Like, <laughs> like to follow the rules, to show up and show up on time and do these things. So you're, you're asking me to lean out of my comfort zone. That's, that's a little hard. Okay. Right. Like, you know, another real good example, this is even years later, as I start to, I, I remember, um, you know, I, I had this, uh, you know, uh, I had this boss who, um, you know, whenever he was upset, you know, he would just yell. He just, for me, like, you know, inside, even though I wanted to fight back, if you will, and, and be defensive and argue my case, I just sat there and would just take it. I would just sit there and let him basically berate me. And, you know, I remember one, one time, like, he, like after, after all, it's almost like a, like a toddler running around, burning all the energy off, and then they kind of calm down. That's what it was like. He basically berated me for, like, 15 minutes, kind of, was like, worn out. And then, like, because I wasn't combating him, which is what he used to, he's kind of like, what are your thoughts? Like, do you agree, disagree? I'm like, well, actually, and I'll wait till he's done. I'm like, well, like, would you like my honest opinion? He's like, yes. He's like, I'm like, I disagree. And it was interesting because at that point, he's like, he was so shocked that I hadn't, hadn't like pushed back. Mm-hmm. I basically mm-hmm. waited until he was done. Right. But I did have respect. That's just how I grew up. Like, you can have a, a civilized conversation, disagree, but that's how I grew up versus, you know, typically in the culture that most people, you know, in the U.S., you just kind of you kind of fight you kind of fight it out, right? right like right. you just battle out. That wasn't part of me. So uh, you know, growing up, that's that's something I saw quite often. Where you know, being able to adapt was important because um, if I didn't adapt, it, it, you know, like I mean, I felt like an outcast for one, right? But also, it it would have hurt my career. It, it mm-hmm. really would have because they would see me as you know, someone who doesn't have their own, his own ideas, doesn't have his yeah. own ideals, want to influence up, even though I might have ideas in my head, I just wasn't, I didn't feel comfortable enough. So it took me some time to kind of break free of some of those things that I just grew up culturally ingrained within me. So this way I could be, you know, less of an outcast, if you will. Um, and that kind of progressed through as I went through my career, right? Because as a hire, I climbed in my role, the less people I saw of color, right? Like mm-hmm. that's yeah. just what happened. So uh, it's been, it's, it was, it was been an evolution over time that never really goes away. You, you never really, uh, never feel like you really ever fit in because you still look different, especially in the companies like that. Right. right. I, I know your point just really gets to me. Like, you know, as an Asian kid, you know, you're told don't ask questions. Right. Like, you know, um, it's, you know, things are changing, but it will take another 30 years for things to change, right? So um, we're told, like, kids don't ask questions. And the first thing that you're told as soon as you join any organization is ask questions, which is the exact opposite of what you've been told for 21 years. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So, uh, you know, and if you don't ask questions, it's assumed that you either understand everything or you understand nothing, which is usually... You know, not the case. You're somewhere in between, right? And you have to start mm-hmm. learning that asking questions is okay. And uh, mm-hmm. the second thing that I've always found 
uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, but a lot of uh, Asians uh, with being able to appreciate oneself, being able to, you know, uh, portray what they have done well mm -hmm. is difficult. Yes. You know, so yeah. when you have to do a sort of appraisal or you need to put yourself up for a promotion, you know, you need to be able to tell the world, hey, this is what I've done. And this is what I've done really well. And that is something that I personally find very difficult. Mm -hmm. And I've also seen that a lot of Asians, you know, um, find mm -hmm. difficult possibly because of our culture and the way we that grown up hate it. You don't, you know, you don't brag. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I totally agree. A hundred percent agree. And, uh, and that's, and that's how it was especially early on. It's, um, and what's funny is because I remember when I first got into sales and I was really terrible for the first several months until I started having success. But as I started getting, as I started having success, um, I remember month one, it was, like, it was like three months in first two months. I was terrible. Third month I was number one. And, I was like, okay, cool. But then as each month, as I continued to hold my number one spot, I felt more embarrassed. Like mm -hmm. it was, it was kind of a weird thing. I felt embarrassed. Like we'd have these awards dinner and my boss was, you know, be, you know, touting my horn or whatever. And it felt good, but I felt guilty. It felt weird. Like it felt really weird. Um, and, and I remember, um, you know, I tried to, I tried to adapt what, you know, I, I, I thought maybe corporate America expected of me which is to be like really, really confident, you know, like to the point of basically being, you know, arrogant, you know, which is a very fine line. I, I started crossing over that line because I was like almost overcorrecting. <laughs> like I went from like really, really humble to like overcorrecting, <laughs> especially early on. And people started calling me arrogant. And I was like, oh man, like, you know, and it took me years to kind of figure out the middle ground. And there was times that even over the you know, last you know, decade, I had to get corrected again. Um, and it was one of those things where I also found like, especially – in a, in a capitalistic world like the U.S., right? When you are like you're climbing that corporate ladder, if you do not find a way to subtly share and talk about yourself, nobody else will. Mm -hmm. And yeah. uh, and, I, and I and I believe uh, because of, you know the Asian culture, that's why you, you you very rarely will see first generation Asians in leadership roles. There's just so many, so much less. There there really are. You know, like. Like, and I remember, I'll give you a real example, right? So, um, and even just like, I mean, being born in the U.S., like you get kind of rewired a little bit, right? And mm -hmm. I remember when I was, I was living in China for a while, it was before I started, you know, working in corporate America, I was living in China for a while. But like, it's interesting just watching people like live out there and how they carry themselves and how I carried myself. Like I, right now, like I have, I'm, I'm gregarious. I, I know how to turn it on for an interview and whatever mm -hmm. for a presentation, um, I still had a lot of confidence even back then because just being in the U.S. kind of learned a little bit, right? Um, okay. But it was interesting watching and meeting some other Chinese, you know, like, you know, people in general. Most of them, just their body language, how they mm -hmm. carry themselves mm -hmm. was more inward, more introverted. Right. Well, I was just, I just kind of, I was more outward, you know, not to the point of where I am today, but I was still more outward. And it was interesting because because going anywhere, even though I'm, I'm mixed, even though they saw me, they're like, oh, he's some sort of Asian yeah, of yeah. some sort. Like, we're not really sure what he some is. Sort, yeah. he, maybe he's Korean. Maybe he's Japanese. They don't really know. But they're like, we know he's not from here. Mm -hmm. And when they, when they heard me speak Mandarin Chinese, they're like, his Chinese is really good, but we're really confused about what he is. <laughs> we mm -hmm. can tell based on how he carries himself and how he walks. He's not from here. Not, to me, I was, I was very interesting. Just the, um, the, 
the the uh, the, the concept of confidence and cultures are so, is so different. They saw it as a as me being different, and that course in the, in America it was still a lower level of confidence, right? Not so what they wanted in corporate right. America. Yep. It took me a while to get to that point of learning how to do it in a way that was not arrogant, not braggy, mm-hmm. but in a subtle way that's so humble that allows you to you know look the part and act the part. But of course. I think especially being an Asian kid growing up, you have a lot of insecurities where you feel like you have to prove yourself more because you look right. different, because right. you act different. You have to prove yourself more to, to be able to say, hey, you know what? I belong here. I should have a seat at the table. Right. You, you know, in fact, I, I was just talking to uh, Nemeth Pat last week and uh, we were discussing around the same lines that, uh, you know, being an Asian in, in sales, right? We're not supposed to be in sales. Like, you know, we're supposed right. to be like doctors or engineers or scientists, right. you know, right. uh, maybe a computer engineers develop something, do something, but we're not supposed to be in sales, right. uh, especially because, you know, we don't, yeah, we don't have that confidence. You don't come across uh-huh. as, you know, the sales guy, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't, like you said, a lot of us are introverts. We kind of mm-hmm. prefer silence and prefer just doing our job and not really talking too much. And that's where we kind of, you know, uh, lack in fitting in, you know, uh, post work. They want to hang out together and somehow you're not invited. You're not a part of the gang. You don't understand what they're talking about. Like, not because uh, you don't want to, but because we come from different cultures, right? So not a lot mm-hmm. of what you say is understood, even if you might have been born there. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. So how did you? Managed to fit in. Yeah, you know, it was, it was interesting, right? Um, you know, I think it just over time, as I as I got into sales, and it, at first it was really hard. Um, like because when I struggled in sales, I'm like, oh man, like this is this is not good, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so that was really hard, just in just trying to fit in and adapt, right? But as I started to have success, having success helped me fit in more. Okay, um, mm-hmm. it, it gave me an opportunity to hey say, listen. I belong here. Like I belong here. I'm supposed to be here. Um, and I think just over time of really doing that, but then really to help really fit in. Um, I, I, I believe even to, to, uh, even to this day, it was vitally important that I would serve others. And what I mean by that is as I started to, you know, try to fit in more, I found the best way I could fit in more. The best is I kind of figured out, I started figuring out the sales thing. I'm like, I could help other people. Right, and whether the people on my team or on other team, I'll help them and serve them, and finding and that was really powerful. That helped me fit in more, right? Because mm-hmm. then they got to know me as a as a person, a human being, in my life outside just a work piece, and that was really really powerful. And I think just over time, just the repetition, it helps you fit in more. Now, uh, throughout the years, there's definitely times where I didn't fit in with everyone, right? There's there's mm-hmm. leaders that didn't like me, etc. But you start, like, what I also started to do as well um, is early on, I started studying quite a bit of personal development, human psychology, and being a, learning how to be able to uh, influence people to get them to like me very quickly from the get-go, so which allowed me to fit in a lot better. And that went across the board from not just prospects, but also to up and down the leadership channel, 
right? And that was really, really important because um, I knew because, you know, like I had ambition and goals. I want to climb a corporate ladder. You know, I was supposed to, you know, show up, work hard and climb the ladder. That was my goal at least, you know, because like you mentioned, um, sales is not really an honorable career. That was something my parents did not want me to, to be in. So for me, I felt like I had to uh, excel in sales, climb the corporate ladder to be able to prove to them that it was a good career and then I belonged there. But I also meant I need to figure out how do I navigate that corporate ladder, that career where, you know, I look different, act different. So I had to make sure I overdid everything. I'll give you an example, right? So um, in that company, the first company I worked for, it was very much a shirt and a white shirt and tie company, right? A little bit mm-hmm. old school. They're based in St. Louis. They've been around for years. Massive company. At the time, they were like $20 billion year company. Shirt and tie was the normal. So that was totally fine. So all my peers for all, all the guys wore shirt and ties, right? And most yeah, you know, girls will wear a blouse, maybe, you know, pants suit, you know, or a skirt, whatever. So for me, I didn't want to just wear a shirt and tie. In order to really, sounds weird to, I figured to, in order to blend in, but to stand out in a good way, I would wear a full suit every day. So every single day mm-hmm. I wore a full suit, right? So this way I, I'm showing that, hey, you know what? I'm part of the culture, but more importantly, I'm part of the image that people up, up the ladder want to see. Mm-hmm. And that was really important for me to stand, like, to basically blend in, but stand out in a good way. And of course, by doing that, and then I started learning how, to, like, I, anytime I got feedback, I'm like, huh. They're telling me something, right? So if I got feedback right. about me doing certain things, like, hey, Marcus, you, you are not sharing your opinion. You're not influencing you up. You're not doing these things to contribute in a greater way. Mm-hmm. I said, okay, I'm going to start doing that. So I started contributing in a greater way. Anytime I came, I, I built something out that I knew would work really well, not just for me, but for everyone else, I would teach other people. So for example, um, that I was part of a startup division in which they had zero uh, sales training that was actually proven actually worked. And everyone was struggling except for me, right? And then when I got promoted and I was running branches and we started having success, I wrote a sales training playbook, step-by-step exactly what to do to basically build a territory from scratch and make it very successful. So, but I didn't just build that. I started training like basically my peers who were running other operations so they could perform as well. So I started doing things like that to really show, hey, you know what? Like not only am I ambitious and Mm -hmm. I have goals, but I'm a team player too, okay? Right. Just because, like, I, I don't watch sports. I didn't grow up watching sports. I, I don't watch American football anymore. I don't watch any of those things that maybe I did when I was in college because I just didn't blend in. I wasn't doing that. I didn't have time for that. So now I can bond over that. I'm like, I can bond over helping by helping them achieve their goals and be successful. That's how I can blend in. So that was something that, that's always been in the back of my mind. I always had something to prove as well. The other piece is, is too is, um, Talking about like, you know, blending in from a work perspective, the other challenge I had was blending in with the, my family and having them accept that I was an Asian in sales mm-hmm. because, right, they, they want me, you know, to be a doctor, a lawyer, an accountant, right. or an engineer. Yep. I didn't do any of those things. I went to sales. So I, already I had dishonored the family. So it's like, okay, what could – I had to make sure that I was massively successful, but also I had to prove to them. I had to show them it was a good choice for the future, right? That I can thrive, that I can, you know, do better than my cousins who are, you know, doctors mm-hmm. or lawyers, right, I know. Yeah, right. So there are two sides of the house that you feel like you have to kind of blend in, you know, because you're an Asian in sales. Right. I, I know, like totally, right? Uh, so, you know, you have a lot to prove to yourself. You have a lot to prove to others, but... 
So what would, you know, um, for all those listening, right, and who have a hard time trying to fit in, okay, and for those who fit in but have people around them who have a hard time trying to fit in, what would your call to action be for them? Yeah, so I think the first thing is, is um, you know, there's probably a couple couple key things you want to do. I think number one, I would, to me, I'm, I'm this simple. I would take a sheet of paper out or on a whiteboard and just, you know, write down company. Underneath the company, write out what are all the core values they want to see. What's important to the company? And that can be anything from, and the thing is, when you think about feedback, think about consistent feedback you get. Don't think about the one time you got one piece of feedback that you never heard again. But what consistently are you hearing that, you know, they really want to see? And that can be anything. For me, that was contributing, contributing upwards. So uh, you make a list of those core values, okay? Like what's important to them? Because there's kind of, um, like if you're talking about sales, there's an ICP, an ideal customer profile, if you will. There's an, mm-hmm. ideal, there's an ideal employee profile, right? right. That they want to see. Mm-hmm. An IEP, if you will. What are those core values they want to see, okay? And then mm-hmm. write down for you, what about, what about for you personally? What are the core values you want to make sure you maintain and uphold that's important to you? And of course, it's going to take some, some thinking, some time to do it, okay? Right. And then in between, write down what are the actions you can do to bridge the two together, okay? So mm-hmm. for example, I know for me, um, I, I'm actually, I'm, I'm relatively creative. I love to create and build things, okay? Uh-huh. So uh-huh. that's one of my, my values. I want to always, like, that's like, that's for me to, to be a robot, I don't like that. I really like to create and build things. So that's a core value for me. I knew my company wanted me to influence up more. I'm like, okay, well, the bridge is in the middle. Is um, anytime I, I do something that's gonna help me, how can I put it in put it in a package it in a way where it can influence other people as well? So I was able to find specific tactical actions that bridge uh, my the company values with what they look for and also for me. And when you, when you can hopefully bridge as much as possible, it puts you in a higher position where you can be authentic to who you are, but mm-hmm. be able to also align with the values that company has. Now, cause here's the thing. Um, I, I wish I could say, you know, you, you can just be just you. You can just show up, just be you every single day. Right. And you're going to, it's going to be totally great. Unfortunately, that's just not, that's not life. Right. Like yeah. it's just not life. Right. Like, it's usually only very small company can do as you, as you, as the company grows or it gets bigger, there are certain things they look for and you have to make sure you align with, unless you have your own company, right? But you also can't be a, a peer company robot, right? Because uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah. they also don't typically want that. So you have to find a good balance in between where you can still bring uh, your true self to work every single day while making sure you are still hitting all the values. Right. Yep. Yep, I, I, that is beautiful. Like, you know, uh, because a lot of people do say be yourself, but hey, that doesn't work. You know, <laughs> it's, it's a little asterisk. Be yourself to a certain degree. Right. <laughs> yeah, so that doesn't work. That's a great call to action. And again, Marcus, thank you so much for uh, coming on. And uh, hopefully, we'll talk to you in season two. Thanks so much for having me on. Thank you, guys. See you later.